0: hello everyone out there in youtube land i am live i've been trying to go live all day long but stuff keeps coming up got a comment from a fellow named sammy gomez i think that's how you say it and when i went to reply and you hit the little thingy to reply there's like a bunch of sammy Sammy's in the youtube directory so Sammy said that I lied. He said that Jesus started the Christian church, not the Catholic church, that I had had lied about that. So Sammy is half right. Jesus did start the Christian church. He most certainly did. Jesus also started the Catholic church. He most certainly did because the terms or words Catholic and Christian were the same word. They were interchangeable. You could tell people at the grocery store way back then, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Christian. It meant the same thing. They were interchangeable. One reason for that is, of course, we know the word Christian uh, meant, you know, like followers of Christ or little Christ. We know that word was first used at Antioch. In the Book of Acts, and we also know from some historians that the word Catholic was used way before there's ever a Catholic Church, because the word Catholic meant universal, worldwide, um, throughout. And there's two places in the New Testament where you, where the Apostle Paul used the word Catholic for the Church. So I don't know if we're me and Mr. Sammy there is, we're just having a, a, a battle of words, okay? Because I realized that when Jesus was here, he probably didn't get a sign mounted up front of the upper room that said First Catholic Church. I realized that. But it was the first church. Many historians and theologians believe they consider the Birthplace or birthday of the Christian Church, to have been at Pentecost, forty days after Easter. That's what I've learned in the Catechism. I believe that this is just John the Old Redneck. To me, the Catholic Church started way back in the Garden of Eden when, G- when God made His first human family, the Domestic Church. That's my opinion. I know all the scholars would say that's not true. Now I want to tell you about a guy who was a bishop. I'm going to try not to train wreck his name too bad. Let me spell it first, E-U-S, E-B-I-U-S. Eusebius, Eusebius of Caesarea. This dude was a bishop, and he wrote a history of the Christian church. And if you'd like to listen to it, it's several hours long. And what's really neat is he wrote this. I think the church had been around like 150 years. But you can go to YouTube. If I don't forget, I'll provide the link here in the uh, comments or the title description here on this live stream, "Ubius of Caesarea, History of the Christian Church. And you can listen to it. We're very blessed in this day and time to where, man, you used to have to go to libraries to find information. Before that, you you would have to travel or explore or find stuff. There's so much stuff out there to back up what we Catholics believe academically. Now, I listened to this entire history of the Catholic Church on my Bose stereo system at night as I'm drifting off to sleep. And yes, I do fall asleep listening to it. I'm a believer that even if you're sleeping, that your subconscious and your spirit, your inner man, is hearing the word. When I was, um before I was ever Catholic, I would get, I'm going to tell you how old I am, I would get cassette tapes and CDs of the Bible being read out loud, and I would play it while I slept many times. So I believed that I was feeding my spirit. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So I would hear the word of God. Now, I've gone back. I think I've gone back to it twice to listen. But I'm laying there in my bed this past week listening to this dude, Eusebius, and listening to him. Well, actually, it's not him, but someone's reading his writings. This guy wrote lots and lots and lots of church history. And, you know, you just listen to him talking about All the topics in the church, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist too long to realize that it was Catholic, okay? Because again, there's one church. Now, some people think that, I I think this is the way some people might think. It's just there, when you start talking to believers about the history of the church, history of the Bible, Catholicism, Reformation, all that stuff, their their minds go tilt. I know mine did when I was just a believer and I didn't know anything about the Catholic Church except for what I had heard or saw in a movie. I didn't know anything whatsoever about the Catholic Church. I was so misinformed and prejudiced against them. And when I started to read something in me, something in me, told me to read what the first Christians believed. So in 1994, in 1994, I think it was, a friend of mine gave me a bunch of cassette takes about missionaries um, and healing signs, wonders, miracles, you know, Pentecostal stuff. And I was a Southern Baptist. And he gave me these tapes. And I'm going to tell you who they were by. They were from a fellow that used to be in the Righteous Brothers. That was a big, bluesy rock band way back, the Righteous Brothers. If you've ever heard that song, you've lost it, love and feeling, John Wimber, Righteous Brothers. And... He ended up being a Bible teacher and starting a popular church called Vineyard. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the Vineyard church. I would go uh, quite a bit when I was, you know, that age. So, you know, they were talking about things that happened in the early church, all these miracles and signs and wonders and People get raised from the dead and how passionate Christians were and how they, um, you know, kind of lived together and shared everything and they were persecuted and being fed to the lions and crucified and they just were passionate about Jesus. And I don't remember what they read, but they would read from these early Christians. And to me, listening to these early Christians... You know, it was real evident to me they were about a hundred times more on fire and committed to Jesus than I was. I have visited the vineyard a few times. Hey, Mr. Johnson, I kind of liked it, man. We'd wear, man, the preacher would wear a wife beater and shorts and flip-flops. I thought it was cool. You know, you just show up to church half naked in your underwear and, and they played a bunch of hippie rock and roll and stuff. And, and you know, I just thought it was cool when I was a young guy. I'm not young no more. Anyhow, I don't remember much about it, but I just remember hearing them read writings from early church people. You know, when I say early church, I'm not talking about, you know, in the 60s and 70s. I'm talking about way then you know the first couple two or three hundred years after jesus was here because those people wrote a whole bunch of books i mean a whole bunch i thought they you know maybe wrote you know three or four paragraphs here and there no those early church people the leadership the doctors of the church listen they they were not dummies we kind of think those people back then they didn't have Cell phones or electricity—they didn't have a lot of things that we have now. But they were smart, man. You ever heard of Aristotle and Socrates and Galileo and just you know Da Vinci? There's those people from antiquity all all the way up through the uh, time of Enlightenment. They were brilliant people, very smart, and they could write. And some of these guys, man. They did a whole bunch of writing. One of them, Ignatius, he wrote seven epistles. And in those epistles, he specifically wrote about the Catholic Church. And I believe when he wrote about the Catholic Church was in 107. Well, let's look at this real quick, okay? Because what I did in 1994, I think, no, it was 1996, I, all of a sudden, I was a a Birmingham police officer, just a patrolman, but I had a curious investigative mind. And me and my buddy, my buddy's name is Philip Wade. And we were good friends. And me and him, he was going through a really bad divorce. And I'd been a heathen for like 10 years. You know, the Marine Corps... In the first few years of the police department, I was just a heathen. You know, we partied we'd at every night after getting off duty as a policeman. We had something called choir practice, and we'd have a keg out in the back of the precinct there at Birmingham Police Department, and we'd drink for hours and then head home, sleep it off, come right back to roll call. But uh, me and Philip were kind of starting to, Live right and get back into church about the same time. I think it was around ninety-four, and all we had a Bible study one day, and at his house, we we lived in the same neighborhood, and we were kind of on fire about the Bible and getting back in church, and it was all kind of brand new to us because we'd been backslid for years and going through hard times, and I remember me and him reading all these scriptures. And then, you know, I bought, got fired up, bought me a study Bible. And I remember looking, you know, you get a study Bible with those notes and you'd look up at the, you know, it'd have some notes about the, for instance, the letter of Romans or a letter to the Ephesians and get to reading them notes. And, you know, everybody knew that Jesus was, um, you know, around 33 when he died for our sins and rose again. And that's the beginning of Christianity. We all kind of knew that. And I know they've changed what they call it now, but it was back then it was BC before Christ and AD. So I remember thinking, you know, Jesus left in around AD 33, right? And I remember reading those study Bibles. I would see where, you know, this book of Acts was written between 70 and 90 AD. And I'm thinking, you mean the book of Acts that tells about the first Christians in Antioch wasn't written for decades and decades after Jesus? And that troubled me. It really did trouble me. And I uh, read were the letters to the Romans, you know, a lot of trolls get on here and say, There's no such thing as a Roman church, and they forget that Paul wrote a letter to the Romans. The Church of Romans is still there. Um, It was written 25 years after Jesus left us for heaven. 25 years, quarter of a century. That's long enough. Um, My first grandson was born yesterday and 25 years from now, uh, hopefully he'll be graduated from college and have two or three kids and working somewhere, married and all. That's a long time. I, I know I won't see it happen. 25 years, that's from birth of a baby to all the way through college and maybe medical school too. That's a long time. A big lapse between Jesus rising from the dead and somebody writing a letter. So, you know, I was thinking, what happened? What did they do at church in between the time Jesus rose from the dead? And these apostles started actually writing the scriptures. There was nothing. They didn't even have an Old Testament like we have today. So, you know, now we know that the letters and the Gospels that we have in our New Testament were written out of what we call tradition. I know every time I post a video showing our beautiful Catholic Mass, people say, that's the traditions of men. That's all man-made. Well, just in the manner of speaking, I would like to say that A man, flesh and blood man somewhere, wrote every word of this Bible on paper with ink. At some point, just take the book of uh, Solomon, Song of Solomon, for instance. Even if it wasn't the word of God, even if Solomon never wrote it, even if it never made it into our Bible. Sometime a long time ago, an actual person sat down with an ink pen and a scroll and wrote that book. It's here. You can't deny it. It it didn't come out of thin air. So we know from early church writings, and I know that non Catholics want to poo poo all over early church writings, and I get it because it scares the daylights out of them. Because they know early, I mean, non-Catholic Christians, when they start reading early church writings, they start seeing that that early church is nothing like their church, okay? Three of the things that will stand out to you about the early church, sorry, I can't see the comments. I'll go back to them later. But some of the things about the early church right away within just the first few years because history tells us that the Catholic Church, and I'm not saying Roman Catholic, Catholic Church, Christian Church, okay? The church was established in Jerusalem, right? By those apostles. And history tells us that it was all over that part of the world, Jerusalem and around there, in within 10 years, that was the religion. And yes, they had a pope. They had Peter. They had Linus. They had Clement. They had popes. I and mean, back then, they were called the bishops. Sorry, Larry. Back then, they were called the bishops. They were bishops. We know from church history, that eventually the apostles Peter and Paul ended up in Rome, okay? Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, um, he appealed to Caesar. So off to Caesar he went. Now, when I was in the Marine Corps, when I was in the Marine Corps back in the 80s, I went to Rome. I did, I was on, I had sea duty. We were in, I think, Venice or Trieste. We were in, in Italy and I bought a train ticket and me and some of my friends rode a train from Venice or Trieste, wherever we were, to Rome. And somehow we found ourselves at the Vatican. I was at the Vatican. St. Peter's, all that stuff. The Senate, uh, the Coliseum, that's the hottest I've ever been in my 60 years. I about had a dang heat stroke at the Coliseum. It was hotter than hell. I live in Alabama and I've never been that hot as I was walking around that Roman Coliseum. And I just thought it was so cool. And, you know, I was listening to the tour guides and we we went to some place it was, it was near the Colosseum. I can't hardly remember. And I was probably about three sheets in the wind. But we came to a place where they told us, and there's a big plaque, but they took us to a place in Rome. And they said, this is the jail or prison or jail where the Christians, Peter and Paul, were imprisoned. That's what they told us. And I was like, Wow, man, that's where Peter and Paul were in that prison. Yeah, so they ended up in Rome, and they were the big wigs, and I think that the apostle John ended up in Rome, too. So you got these huge, big, gun, big-time apostles of Jesus. These people were taught by Jesus, drafted by Jesus, hand-picked, selected, Trained ever since and here they are, they're all in Rome, which was the capital of the universe practically. You know, the Washington, D.C., or New York City, it's a hub. Okay, so you know, we keep reading these writings because John discipled some dudes, uh, Peter discipled some dudes, um, I think, Ignatius was discipled by uh, two of the apostles. Now, Beto, my friend Beto, he's a Mexican redneck. He's going to be on here Tuesday night to talk about his training where he had to go through exorcism training. And he's going to share about that. He's also, um, when I was getting turned away from Pope Francis and turned off to the Vatican a couple, two, three years ago, he's the one. It would um reach out to me all the time and and settle me down. Cause I'd see a YouTube, I'd call Beto and get mad in hell about the Pope, and he would uh he would have a way of explaining things that made the Pope seem like he was a Catholic. So, anyhow, Beto's gonna be on here explaining some of this stuff a lot better than me. So Beto told me that I think it was all. I get it mixed up. Ignatius was saved, Protestant word, under either Peter or John, then he was discipled by the other one. And this Ignatius dude is the one, he said, wherever the bishop is, there is Jesus Christ. Wherever the Catholic Church is, There is Jesus Christ. He wrote that um, not long after um, Luke talked about the Christians being first called, the believers being called Christians in Antioch. I'll tell you something else. That book, uh, I think it's Acts 16, I'm not sure, that talks about Antioch, where Paul went, and that's where they were first called Christians. That church is still around. And guess what? It ain't a Baptist church. And it's not a Mormon church, and it's not a Assembly of God. It is a Greek Catholic church. Notice I did not say Roman Catholic. See, a lot of things one things people don't realize is that the Holy Catholic Church is not just one white or i t e. The biggest, most famous Right is the Roman Catholic Church. Saint Peter, and appointed as bishop of Antioch before Peter went to Rome. Yeah, it's correct. But the Catholic Church, you know, the 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 biggest uh, part of the Catholic Church is the Roman Rite, headquartered there in Rome, and all. Uh, but there are other branches of the. Same Catholic Church. There's, it depends on who's counting. There's like, oh, it's like 22, 23, 24 of them. And they're a Catholic. And Pope Francis is over them. And they have different traditions. Okay, the same dogmas, you know, the confession and they love the Virgin Mary and all that good stuff. But they have different traditions. For instance, just one real quick. Uh, tomorrow morning, Sunday mass, when it comes time for the consecration, we'll get on our knees, pull our kneelers down, and it sounds like thunder at the cathedral, and we all get on our knees, and they do the, you know, consecration. Well, in the Melkite rite, and their liturgy, listen to me, my rad trad friends, the Melkite liturgy, they call it divine liturgy, their mass, their mass was written by a dude. I don't want to say his name wrong. Somebody get on here and say it. I should have wrote it down. But the mass, the liturgy that the Greek Melchites do is from 400 A.D. 400 A.D. They're right is very ancient. It's been preserved. They use two of them and I've been to it. And the brand, the newer Mass that we use in the Catholic Church, the N.O. Mass, you can see parts of the Mass in that ancient liturgy. Yeah. And if you go to the traditional Latin Mass and you pay attention and read along, you'll hear those parts from the traditional Latin Mass in the newer mass you know because it's been it's one church they just have different kinds of robes and and feast days and all and i need a studio light in studio so my wife will come in here and ask me to mop a floor or something but this liturgy this mass that i told you the early hallmarks of the early christians is they did have a, within 10 years, they had a hierarchy, just like the military. The, the Catholic Church is set up a lot like the Roman army, right? But you had a main bishop, you had priests under him, and that hierarchy mirrored the apostles and the way Jesus did things. And when Peter got ready to go bye-bye, he handed them keys that Jesus gave them, and he gave them to a dude named Linus. And he told everybody around him, I want you to treat him like Jesus. And they were real big on the bishops having authority. Ignatius said, do nothing without the permission and blessing of the bishop. And On during time, the Bishop of Rome became known as the Pope. So we've had 266 of them, all the way from Peter, right now to Francis, 266 Popes. There are some times here and there where people fought over who was the Pope. But you go to Rome or go to a library at the, there's a Baptist university down the road here called uh, Samford University. And they got a library, theology library, and everything I'm telling you is in there. Cause in 1996, I went to one of the best theology libraries there is. Cause I was really confused about that Bible study, seeing those dates in study Bible, saying that the apostle John wrote revelations like in AD 90. And I'm thinking, you know, it just caused my mind to tilt. So I went to the library, and I wandered in there because I wanted to find out what them early Christians believed. And they had a big old wall of shelves filled with volumes that were kind of a burgundy color, almost a leather bound, just rows of them. And I started picking those volumes off the shelf and started flipping through them and started seeing words like the Eucharist and Mass and Bishop and Confession and all this Catholic stuff. It it wigged me out. It did. It wigged me out. That was in 96. That was... June of 96, I went in there with a notebook because I wanted to know what them early Christians was believing before them scriptures was written. I want to make sure I was in the right thing. And something that bothered me, what really bothered me is that church described in those early church writings. My church wasn't anything like that. We didn't believe in the Eucharist. We didn't have a bishop. We didn't believe that the Lord's Supper was really Jesus. We thought it was a saltine cracker and some grape juice. We didn't believe. We never went to confession. I never went in my life. But I'm sitting here reading about these sacraments and it wigged me out. It really bothered me because I couldn't figure out why that early church and these people was getting killed for what they believed. It wasn't like nowadays, Or back then, that was in the 90s where, uh, you know, even the Democrats were halfway sane in the 90s, early church guys, and see what they taught and believed about tithing and prosperity, name it, claim it, healing, you know, the stuff you hear on TV with Joel Osteen and and Kenneth Copeland, all them money preachers. I just, you know, wanted to see what they were saying. I have read the early church fathers, and I believe that the apostles would recognize a Catholic mass. Nothing else. <laughs> yep, you're right. They would see the Catholic mass because it says mass. It says pope. It says priest. Um, it says Eucharist. It says confession. I mean, you just read the Didache, the Didache, and the Nicene Creed, and all it's, it's all in there from way back, way way back. So um, you know um, I went to a it was called Family Life Bookstore in Trustville, Alabama, and I went in there, and I went to the history part, the theology and history part. Where's that? My my son may have it. I can't see through these lights, but I found a big old book about this why, and the name of it was something like. The Encyclopedia of Early Christian Beliefs, quotations from the first Christian scholars and teachers. Whipped that thing off the shelf, went over there and paid for that thing, and took it home, and got in a private room, opened it up, and it was out by topics. You know, you could look up any topic, teaching, doctrine in the Bible, and look it up and. And I started reading. I was like, oh, Lord, it's that Catholic stuff again. You know, I just kept running into Catholic teaching. I mean, the, I was Baptist. We said, what time's church? We never said what time we go going to mass. Um, we didn't believe that the Lord suffered. We took, like, three times a year. Was any? We didn't believe that the cracker was Jesus and that the grape juice was his blood. We didn't believe that at all. It was just a... Time to make the preacher's sermon a little shorter and do something new. When I was growing up, uh, we didn't have a pope, we didn't have a priest. That stuff Catholics did. We didn't believe none of that stuff. No way. Compassion? We just First John it, man. You watch a porno old film. Uh, you commit adultery, you rob a bank. You just First John one nine. Just say, God, I'm sorry. How do we get saved then? Um, They played a song, they sang a song like Just As I Am, and you walk down there and you shake hands with the preacher and he'd have some bad breath because he'd been talking for an hour and he would give some, just pray after me, son, just pray with me. I don't even know why he prayed, but I'm holding his hand and I'm under conviction and his breath is horrible but he'd been preaching that I'm going to go to hell if I don't get saved, so I'm going to get saved. So I mumbled some kind of prayer about Jesus and personal Lord and Savior, and I'm in. I'm in. Then a few weeks later, I got baptized, you know? And I was just always taught, if you ask Jesus in your heart, then you're once saved, always saved. Even if you F up big time, you're still saved. I thought it was a sweet deal but here I am reading this early church history. And I'm like, boy, these guys were fanatics, getting burnt at the stake. And then I read a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, And when I read that book, it made me feel real bad about the Catholic Church because I was thinking the ones doing all the dying was the Christians and the ones doing all the burning and torturing was the Catholics. Oh, I found out that it was the Protestants doing a lot of that stuff, you know? um, They declared a martial law in England, and you was gonna get killed if you was a Catholic. That's why a lot of those pilgrims and all came over here to the United States, to America, is to get away from the Protestants. Then they started all over again with those Salem witch trials, and and piercing people's tongues for talking in church. So, you know, I heard all this bad stuff about the Catholics growing up, but then I started reading church history and found out that there's a lot of stuff going on that wasn't Catholic. You know, the Puritans, man, they were were burning churches down and having folks burned up. And if you was born with a freckle or a birthmark, the Protestants thought you as demon-possessed and set you on fire. Read the Salem witch trials. I think it was Cotton Mathers. Was that that preacher? Protestants. They, you know, they think they lily white and ain't done nothing wrong. Man, they done roasted a bunch of people and had witch trials and uh, cutting your tongue out for laughing in church and charging you to sit in a pew. My Protestant friends are once saved, always saved. We do not believe that. Yeah, you know. I'm going to do a video in a couple of days about the easiest, coolest religion in the world. For by grace for you say through Facebook, and that not of yourselves is get to God. Oh, read that next verse. You just posted the Protestants' favorite verse in the Bible, Ephesians 2.8, but you didn't finish it. So I'm challenging you to post it back up there and read the following verse. Yeah, many, many trap. I know you didn't mean Facebook, but you left out the next verse. Could you read, can you do the whole thing? Because you left out something important. So I'll just sit here and wait for you. Many, 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 you left off. Something that verse says, there's something off you. Come on, many, many, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Now read verse 10. You left off verse 10 because it goes with 8 and 9 all out of here. They always do that. There you go, that standard Protestant shock. When they read the next verse, they find out that there's something called workmanship created for good works. We're saved by grace, through faith, for good works. Many, 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 you got busted on live TV. Now, many, many, go back to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And look at verse 6 through eight. Eight. Romans 2, 6 through 8. And you will see many, 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 many see many, you want to go any, many, many, mo. Ephesians 2, 10, it is the, cr- yeah, yeah, works. James says, for we are justified by works, not only by faith. Jesus said, unless your faith is, exceeds works or proof of our faith that look many the Catholic Church does not teach that we work our way to salvation that we go to that we go to heaven because we work worked it but I tell you what Paul said Paul who wrote Ephesians said work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling, many, 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 many. I'm just kidding you.